Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about songs. We certainly do. And we talk about a lot of other things, too. We're going to do that today. I'm the Sarah in that equation, Sarah Debunting, and I am here, as always, with the inimitable Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. This is Teddy Ruxman the third, actually. Fuck oh, you. God. Oh god. It's it's like that, is it? Uh yes, it's eleven <laughs> o'clock in the morning and we're already a little punchy here at Mast Ass. Um so, We put the ass in Mast Ass. <laughs> the arse in Marstars. <laughs> Uh, this has been a great episode. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks <laughs> so much. Well, you know what? This is it's gonna get maybe a little a little heavy in here a little later. So let's let's uh, <laughs> embrace the lightness and silliness where we may, as we are never afraid to do. Um Mark Gather ye funny voices while ye may. Mark, you tweeted about the four pack of songs that we're about to talk about from Walker Hayes uh, around the holidays, I think. Yes. And said that you had gone on a journey with these four songs and then you sent them to me in the order that we're about to listen to them. Would you like to talk a little bit about what brought us here to this contemplation of this quartet? Absolutely. And this is one of the times in my life when I have been so intensely grateful that this podcast exists because I had the experience of being aware of Walker Hayes because I was watching his first hit single, Climb Up the Country Chart, and I listened to that song, and that's not one of the songs we'll be talking about today, but I liked it enough to think, okay, I'll check out his album, which just came out at the very end of last year, an album called Boom, and I was so struck by so many things about his songwriting. One, which we can discuss later, is the fact that this is music that sounds more like Macklemore to me than country music, and yet he is defined as a country music artist. So it really brought up for me a lot of interesting questions about what genre even means, and obviously we've touched on that a lot, but Walker Hayes pushes that question as far as anyone I can think of. But then perhaps more importantly is the fact that Walker Hayes' lyrics are sensational, I think, and he writes very short songs by and large, but just crams them with information. And even further than that, he writes them in a way that I find quite moving and that's one of the things i'm excited to discuss because the four songs that i've pulled out from his album to me tell a complete story they're like a little novel in four songs and the way that we're going to discuss them today is not the order in which they appear on the album but you know in this shuffle on demand age what is what is album order so i've just rearranged them into the narrative that i think is most appropriate but i will say before we begin it's important to have this as backstory Walker Hayes has been quite public about the inspiration for a lot of these songs because he was signed uh, about five or six years ago to a major label deal at a country label, and he tried to make songs that sounded like everybody else's songs, and they failed, and he lost his record deal, developed a drinking problem, was insanely poor, not just like, mm, oh, I'm broke, like, like broke-ass poor, 
through the charity of some people at his church, he was able to climb out of that poverty while working at a big box store. Uh, you know, I think he it was he was like unpacking shit in the back of a Lowe's or something, and then somehow managed to get back into not somehow just continue to try to play music and then was heard again by this guy named Shane McAnally who writes a lot of country hits and then Shane McAnally believed in him and then encouraged him to write music that's more him and not trying so hard to be popular and the result is where we are today so that story of redemption that he actually lived is played out in the songs that we're going to hear but I wanted to just give everyone the overview of what went down so that we can use that as a reference point as we move forward so that being said, I am thrilled to discuss these songs, and the first one up in my narrative is a song called Beer in the Fridge. So let's take a listen. I ran into your mom at church. She said, I've been praying for you. Guess now that you've moved on, she ain't mad at me no more. The magnolia's on Old Shell Road. Smells so bittersweet. Sometimes I still want to get messed up, but you'll be proud of me. There's a beer in the fridge, last of 12. Soul survivor of my last all-nighter in the back of the bottom shelf. It's going to be there in the morning, even though you won't. You're the reason I quit drinking, the reason I want to get drunk. Oh, and to me, the simple imagery of one beer from a 12-pack sitting in the bottom of the fridge taunting him is so powerful, and that he ties it up with the memory of this woman who left him, and we learn really fast so much in that one verse, like, he is still in this community, he saw his ex-girlfriend's mother, there's this sense of forgiveness, but also the sense of foreboding, and this we start this story with this guy who is climbed out of rock bottom, but who can still see rock bottom quite easily. And this is just such a spare, beautiful song. And I don't know about you, Sarah, but I just find lyrically that this song does a whole hell of a lot in almost no time at all. Uh, I agree. I, and in the video, he's sitting and writing his lyrics on a bar napkin next to a beer bottle that he doesn't right. touch. It's just sitting next to him. Um, and this is such a, you know, I'm married to someone who is in recovery, who has uh, 18 odd years um, as of this one day at a time. And uh, there's like that one beer is such a, it's so much more than one beer in the mm -hmm. symbology of recovery that of course uh, you know with this disease the, the one is never enough and also that uh dan sort of at the end of it um beer was his uh demon of choice and mm. he would always go out like you always went to like re-up um going, of course, further and further afield f so that the people at the local delis wouldn't see you coming in twice a day or right. three times a day. And especially on like a Sunday morning, they still have blue laws here in New York City. So you'd start your hike to the deli where they'd never seen you before at 1140 
<laughs> so that you would right. get there at noon when they could start selling the beer. But you would right. leave and begin this process when you still had one left, just in case that you always had that backup. And um, so that was that symbol is very evocative. And there's also, I mean, there's like varying schools of thought about like, is it okay to have that one in the fridge just to like keep yourself, keep your shit straight in your mind? Right. Um, Dan like started going to meetings, but was still working as like a bartender and a waiter. So like all the Oof. shit was still there. But I think that just wasn't how it worked for him that he couldn't mm. be around it. Like he was going to a few meetings a day, but it was also like, well, you know, I can be around it or not. The issue is wherever I go there, I am. It's not, it wasn't so much the presence of the booze. So I don't think he was a, like some people in recovery, I think keep the signal bottle around, but uh, like, I think the whole story is really in now that you've moved on, she ain't mad at me no more. Mm. and that they saw each other at church like that there's a very i mean you know if you're going to like aa meetings proper that's usually in a church basement and so you're sort of living i didn't even think about that you're in this like parallel there's like you know you're on the other side of the veil from like the actual congregants in a way so that's interesting that there's this like ghostly idea there and then he's sort of like the ghost of a, a previous like shitty life or relationship for the mom and well and also you think about when she when we know that because the daughter has moved on the mother's not mad think about how bad it must have gotten if the mother was furious on the daughter's behalf yeah you know and like it, it really paints a very evocative picture of what it was like when he was drinking that 12th beer and not leaving it in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really gets a lot done very economically. The whole song is what? Two minutes, 12 seconds or something yeah. like that. Like it's, it's quite short. Uh, we'll get into this later, but his ability to just be like, here is the story that I wish to tell. I am done. The song is ending. Like I, Goodbye. I really like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I there, I mean, there's a lot of lyrics here that for someone who um, is not an alcoholic but has real, like, social anxiety that booze does help with, like, self-medicating, it's not always bad. Um, what to do with my hands in a crowd is, is one lyric that I, I thought was excellent as well. That it's just yes. like, once you have to be alone with yourself all the time, that's when the real... That's when the battle starts sometimes. Yes. We'll get into that a little more in the next song that we were talking about. But when you sent me these songs, I just didn't have time to like, given that, um, given how I knew you felt about them, I wanted to sort of like clear off an hour and be able to sit with them. Uh, but it just took me a while to make that time. And this song, I was like, okay, I, I see, I think. Not not where this journey is going to take me, but what I might see along the way. And um, yeah, lyrically, this guy is like, this is a very, like, you know, the old Alfred Hitchcock TV show and like, during the credits, someone was drawing him right, like in profile and it was like five strokes of the charcoal, but that's right. obviously Hitchcock. 
that that's this. It's yeah, totally really good. Before we move on, I do think it's worth saying uh, you spoke to Dan about sharing some of his stories, and he did give us the all clear to discuss them. And I know that there might be listeners who are thinking, shouldn't Dan have a say in having his story told? And he has told us that it is fine by him yes, to talk about these he things. Did. He did which say is, that. And yeah, I just sort of said, I'm going to, you know, leave this up to you. Do you want to hear the songs? But I think that he, I don't know. I think he is like, um, it's not for everyone. This this choice like everyone's recovery is different and that's important to stress I am not an expert also important to stress but when we were talking about how these songs affected us emotionally I thought that if I were going to speak to it I wanted to be you know specific about right. what it pulled out in me vis-a-vis his being in recovery and his like journey out of that darkness for himself is something that I've always been grateful to the rooms for keeping him safe for me for just keeping him for me and I didn't feel like I could really talk about these songs while being elliptical about that so Mm -hmm. that's where we are with that but you know I'm happy to discuss it via social media if people are objecting to that decision I get it but that's where that is so yes thank you for mentioning that and also Dan's generosity uh, in everything just illuminated one more time. And speaking yeah. of finding ourselves in these songs, Mark Blankenship found himself in the song Halloween. So let's listen to that. All right. Before I even learned to play a note, I was on stage. Mastering the art of selling myself at a young age. Fear and insecurity drove me like a Maserati. High school was like showing up at a costume party. I was a comedian, an athlete, a golden boy, a black sheep. Whatever I had to be to make the world throw candy at me. And college was the same act, different play. It was October 31st every day. And the real world was an all too familiar street. Another trick, another treat. Then I knocked, knocked. Knocked on your door Every mask I ever wore Shattered like glass on the floor And it was like Halloween in it Uh, and that female singer is country singer-songwriter Nicole Gallion, who is joining Walker Hayes there. And for me, the first time I heard this song, the line, it was October 31st every day. Yes. <laughs> yes. Shit. Whoo. I mean, I, would you like to gather yourself while I talk a little yeah, bit about please the do. extremely tight professional braiding of the imagery here that is yes um being you know being in disguise and uh, of course but then all the other things around halloween like he's very clever at bringing in other um images that go with this like the skeletons in his closet and you know skeletons like you know the cardboard skeleton you put on your door yes halloween um, the rest throwing in candy peace. at me. Yes, the rest in peace bit. But in the video, um, I should say Nicole's hair is on point. I <laughs> I envy that like mid wave roll. I'm always I'm always striving for it. But the they are sitting. They are the only two people in a circle of chairs, a la 
a meeting. Mm. The other chairs are empty. And they're sitting there with their, like, you know, just sort of generic coffee cups that you have at these things. Um, and the other chairs are empty. So while he, while the lyric is talking about rest in peace to all the, you know, all the people that I used to be and all the masks I used to wear, and it's a happy valediction, there are, I mean, there are empty chairs at these meetings because people fell off the wagon or died, moved away. But there was definitely this sense that he was singing partly to his old selves, but also to the people who couldn't keep making it to the meetings for Mm. whatever reason. And that was, that's where um, this co-host started weeping Um, just because, you know, (laughs) Like, he sort of tells them his funny stories now, but Dan should have died some goddamn Michelobi way, like, a hundred times on two different coasts. Like, he got run over by a truck twice. <laughs> and it Twice? His... Yeah. Oh, God. And yeah. yet Dan is, like, not only is he still here, Dan is in great shape. Like, he's yeah. not someone who has trouble getting up and down the stairs or anything no no and uh got some got some serious guns on my boy but also i think a truly generous and gentle soul that like found a light and followed it out somehow um and this again years before years before i met him but like what a what a miracle and a lot of people aren't so lucky or aren't so you know just it doesn't happen for some people and there was something that there was mostly this you know hopefulness and gratitude in this song but then there was that one little kind of reference that you don't you don't see, if you're not watching the video you don't see it but i was mm-hmm. very struck by that and um very glad for all the for all the friends of bill and sponsors and whatnot and for the universe for being like okay we're just going <laughs> to like somehow we're going to keep him we're going to keep him for you right cuz i i needed him and he's great i love dan yeah, this did. is a schmaltzy podcast. Live with it. Um, so for me, what gets me so much about this song on an emotional level is I have, of course, in my entire life heard so many stories, songs, read so many books about the masks that we wear. But I somehow personally in the last 18 months, right around the time that I got super sick and went to the hospital, which is if you go back through the Mastis archives, the episode when John, our friend, comes in and they talk about, Sarah and John talk about Till Tuesday, because I was real, real sick in the hospital. Yes. But uh, theme song by Tara Ariano. Sung yes, by brilliant. Tara Ariano. Yes. The, <laughs> yes. the Jazz Dess episode, it was, it was a little weird, but we kept the lights on for you. But that was really one of the most harrowing experiences I have ever had in my life. And I know it's not the worst thing that's happened to anyone, but that period of time when I was sick in the hospital was the worst thing that's ever happened to me for reasons that we don't have to get into completely. But 
I no one could ever tell me what was wrong with me. I have never felt more abandoned by a system that was supposed to be taking care of me. I had a temperature of over 103 degrees for almost two weeks. I had more than one doctor tell me that I was overdoing it, being melodramatic. And then I had other doctors who would always just respond, you've got to take more tests. We don't know. And then I finally just lost my mind. And then I was in a Oh my God, there was a night when I tried to explain and my husband tried to explain to this one doctor that I am incredibly sensitive to medication. And so giving me sleeping medication was not going to be good for me. And they were like, we have to give you this. It's it's not going to be that bad. And then I had that night, because of the sleeping medication, a hallucination that someone was trying to murder me in the hospital. And I really truly thought it was real and I was running through the hospital believing I was going to get killed and it was like that was the single most terrifying thing that's ever happened to me so anyway coming out of that which thankfully you know I lived uh, and many people don't but coming out of that I had that in a way cliche experience of oh shit I really have to reevaluate my whole life like the systems that I had put in place to get through the day had completely collapsed. And when I was able to start living my life again, I was forced, or at least maybe I should say was able, to see what I had been doing in my life that wasn't necessarily making me feel great about myself, about my life, whatever. And there was a lot there that was making me feel great. Like, I am generally have been a happy person for my whole life, fortunately. But when this happened, I was forced to confront some performances that I had been enacting to win the love that I thought I didn't deserve, and was also then able to investigate, although it took me a long time to get to the bottom of it, or I'm, you know, one never gets to the bottom of it, but I really didn't get a real breakthrough on this until recently, but I've been investigating all of the reasons that I think I have to perform things so that people will love me and anyway I really made it through a lot of that and I'm happy about that but hearing this song he is so specific in his imagery that the song manages to be both poetic and incredibly literal you know it's both poetic and literal it's both at once and the way he manages to tell you exactly who he is and was but then spin it in a way that you also know he has the artist's perspective on it that he can shape it into a narrative like I just find that for me that speaks to me so deeply because being able to comprehend one's need to perform actually gives you control over it and I just find that very personally satisfying so that's yeah well and I think was that, did that make any sense at all what I just no it absolutely does because I was like the kid who skipped a grade and was younger than everyone and was constantly feeling anxious and still does and has you know imposter syndrome which many creative people do and this is something that you hear over and over in in the rooms is that it's like all right this you know this face that I present to the world is exhausting and counterfeit, but it gets results. Um, yep. And the effort of maintaining that um, is part of this, you know, cycle of whatever do you want to call it, denial, self-loathing, whatever the proportions are, where you're like, I just need to 
like either forget who I am or sand the edges off so that I don't care. Like everything still hurts and I'm still terrified, but I'm drunk, so I don't care. And then for me, along those lines, it was always if people the, the two things that I was had instilled in me when I was a kid through variety through a variety of reasons was you're gay and you're really smart and therefore people are going to use those things to reject you unless you're so smart that you're the best student at everything all the time constantly and of course this is what happens to also a lot of people, be funny be so funny. that people aren't put off but in my case with the boobs don't be too funny yeah right well and for me i figured out that if i was just always the best at everything no one could hate me because they needed me quote unquote that's just sort of the way it and that carried over well beyond school of like all right if i'm not achieving something if i'm not hitting a milestone if i'm not making sure that i'm getting an a from someone in one way or another then it's all going to collapse and people are going to see straight down into how useless i am and i think that was one of the reasons that being in the hospital was so scary for me is because i didn't have the energy to perform anyone's vision of me and right. I was just so abjectly needful. And ultimately, although there were a lot of people who, I f- who made me feel abandoned in the medical system, a lot of people that I loved in my life showed the hell up. And that was sort of the road out. And it's one of the reasons I also like this song is that Walker Hayes in this songwriting doesn't necessarily say you, the person I met, did all the work for me, but he says, he seems to say to me, you opened my eyes to how the work could be done for me to get right. rid of all this shit. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it. That I think, you know, it's very difficult for everyone in whatever, you know, therapy or process you're in to just be okay with like, sometimes there's negative feedback and it doesn't, it's not like a, you know, through going indictment. Um, and it's okay to be yourself, even if that self is not an A plus every second, because nobody is. Um, but and that's, then, I agree that it's not like you let me drop these masks. It's more, I was working on dropping these masks and you showed me that that's a worthwhile, that's a worthwhile, like that shit worth leaving in the street. Yeah. Like you helped, I needed help. And then I also was empowered through you to do it on my own. And like, yeah. And also, just on a completely different note, this is the song where I'm like, oh, this is a Macklemore song, but it's Macklemore with more humility somehow. I, I don't know quite how to articulate this, because Macklemore songs, some of them are actually quite humble, and he's quite open about his own battles with addiction, and I feel like one of the reasons that Walker Hayes will never be subjected to the cultural scrutiny of appropriation the way that Macklemore has is because Walker Hayes is considered a country artist and Macklemore is considered a rap artist, but they're making the same music. <laughs> like, yeah, I and just I find it fascinating. This is interesting for me because I don't like, I don't like the rapping in these songs. Like I don't care mm-hmm. for it. I find it um, shortcutty and annoying and he can sing. He can sing fine. Well, you and know? you know, that's another part of it. I actually feel like for me too, Walker Hayes songwriter is so much more exciting than Walker Hayes performer of singer. Music. Yeah. Which is like, okay. Um, it's like a conversation that, uh, you and I, well, that you had recently and I merely listened to, 
with a composer who was just talking about like doing the whole like singing every part on the whatever the click track i guess right yeah and that you're just like "Eh," and you're like doing a soprano and then there's like finger symbols and you're like well this is ridiculous but then some of it stays in and that's the sense that i get from some of this anyway yeah and it's it's really interesting because i and yet i'm so compelled by his songwriting and i i I just and also cannot stop with the whole why is he not Macklemore or why is he allowed to not face some of the same maddening things that Macklemore faces that have honestly I think undone Macklemore as an artist. I think well, the it's... pressure he has put on himself about appropriation has actually squelched a lot of the ease and honesty in his songwriting. But and I was talking about this with a friend, like I've recently just accepted, like, I am not someone who's going to write a novel. It is not something that I feel I am capable of doing. If, if I had to, or someone like pulled a wheelbarrow of money up to my office and was like, I think you can do this. I'd probably change my mind. Like I'll find a way, but like plotting, I'm not, it's just not how my mind works. And I've, I feel like because when Nicole comes in in Halloween, like she has a lovely voice, but it's nothing you haven't heard a gazillion times in terms of a chorus melody. Maybe that's just not his narrative jam that he could sort of like hang it on a stereotypical song framework of some kind. But doing anything new with melody is not where his head is at. And he's just sort of like, well, that's, you know. I'm not going to try to reinvent a wheel that I can barely roll in the first place. Right. Because maybe yeah, those things. Yeah. Because that's not what his, his gifts are clear and they are not in those places. And speaking of yes. he and whoever else was working with him on the next song, uh, have a real gift for structure as content in a song in a way uh-huh. that almost never happens. So just as a little setup for the song dollar store, we, you're going to hear the very last portion of the song, but in the beginning of the song, it's a really upbeat song about going to the dollar store because you managed to fish a dollar worth of a dollar's worth of change out of the couch cushions. Oh, not He's not taking... a dollar. Uh, we're going to take this GW. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just so. This is definitely a more like the the. Um form fits the content more in this case i think yes it doesn't bother but, me as much here but anyway sorry continue no problem point being he's at the dollar store with his little kid his little girl and he's like girl get whatever you want you can get whatever you want at the dollar store we're big balling again much like the song thrift shop by macklemore but then this happens at the end of the song dollar store Darling, that don't mean I can't spoil you. I'm gonna make it rain change for you in the dollar. So you royalty, my cake. Cinderella celebrate. But a ride at shopping cart, I kiss a punk and turn it to an escalator. Honey, money ain't no object today. Shoot, gonna have to put that back. I need to think about tax. And then this, and then this walk on the wild side, 
note like this yeah. loon like loon jeez uh line that that just keeps being repeated and he's so i mean you can picture this person there wasn't a video on the track i watched but you can picture this person he totally lived in my neighborhood and was at the dollar store and was a white guy with his baseball cap turned to the side like okay you going to buy me this nail polish or not but yeah, I this was like so much fun and also so sad. And that has happened to me before that I'm like, oh, fucking tax. Does well, anyone in this line I've... have 12 cents? I don't want to have to go back to the house and then come back. Here's what I'm obsessed with in this song. It, okay, he is, the narrator is just trying to create a moment for his daughter where he can be a badass and give her what That's... she wants. And he's, do you think it's his daughter? I thought it was well, a he's... date. Well, I read about the song online, and he okay. said that it was about his daughter. Okay, I thought gotcha. it was about a date as well, but then when I learned it was about his daughter, I was like, "Oh!" But either way, either way, yeah, but yeah. Like when you, but when I learned it was about his daughter, suddenly the song became like crushing to me. Oh in a way God, that I yeah, it really does. Because he's <laughs> yeah, just that just to happened like, to me too. That I was like, "Oh,", oh he knows no. that he's he's just trying to make her feel like. A princess, a badass, and he's you know, he does this really funny laundry list in the middle of the song about what they've got at the dollar store. It's like they can get tiny bottles of scope and knock off toothpaste, and and it's just like, but then then at the very end he realizes he can't afford it. And what's fascinating is that the narrator, he as the performer of the song, you can hear him just collapse. And by the end, he's just saying this abject, I'm sorry, but the the loop that you were talking about is still playing because it's like the song itself has not caught up to the fact that everything has changed. And that tension is to me so thrilling as a listener because you're actually hearing the song disintegrate. Like the he just has a complete shift of who he is in the song, but the music is still so chipper. And there's this agony in that because this is a song from someone who is actually broke. And it's just so fucking smart and exposed and powerful. And also the song is really funny and filled with a lot of cool rhymes and I enjoy it. But then at the very end, he's just saying, I'm really embarrassed. I'm sorry. And then it's just over. Well, and, it's, and we'll talk about that again in a second. In the we next will. Song, just, but it's he's like, like, I'm sorry. And then out. Done. And then nestled among not so much Halloween, but um, beer in the fridge. And then uh, the next song we're going to talk about, Craig, nestled into these songs that are about the process of recovery and sort of um, being this like self with a new thin skin in the world and the process of amends and like all of these reference about recovery and past disappointments um, that you've had and that you've been to other people to drop this song in, which is like a very cheery B is referring to an actually like, it's one of my favorite songs, but it's quite dark by the Velvet Underground, or I think it's just Lou Reed, actually, excuse me, um, talking about some of Warhol's superstars, none of whom really made it out in any semblance of being alive. And then there's this, you know, that it's the dollar store, and he's there with his daughter, 
And like a little girl and big girls will forgive their fathers anything. But you get the feeling this is not the first time that he's rolled up to some counter and been short. And he just keeps rolling up to the counter of her life and being short. And that there's that pain and that that's, you know, that's often what happens in a like addicted parent scenario. Maybe I've watched too many documentaries about the opioid crisis lately, but that's what you're really, that's the heartbreaking aspect of it. And then, you know, it's like cheery, like, sorry, we'll come back when I have 20 more cents. But the the feeling that because of his struggles with substance abuse, that this is not the first or the fourth time that this has happened to them as a family. It's a lot. So, yes, you saying that about the little girl, definitely not the first time. And it just, again, reminds you that this guy is writing these fun songs or sad songs about beers in the fridge. But underneath all of that, there's this really honest self-appraisal that is very, very striking. And it is. I was happier when I thought it was a girlfriend, honestly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's as fine. he says at the end of the song. <laughs> sorry. But then, after all of this, after the the danger of the beer in the fridge, the masks on the face, and the disappointment of the kid, we do get to the very last song in the album, and... I'll just say that what happens, we're about to hear uh, for the second time in a row, the very end of a song. And at the beginning of this song called Craig, we hear about how broke down, broke ass, poor uh, Walker Hayes and his family are. And then one day at his church, a guy comes up and offers to give him his minivan. This guy, Craig, and his wife show up at, I think, at one of his kids' Little League games and says, I'm going to give you this minivan please take it. And then we get to the end of the song where Walker Hayes responds to learning that he is being offered a minivan for his family by a member of his church. And here is what happens in the song, Craig. But I wish that mine was bright as his. Yeah, he just might be tight with a man that is. Too ashamed to be adequately grateful at the moment. But I signed the dotted line and I drove the kids home. And when a cop pulled up beside us at the light, they didn't have to duck. Cause thanks to Craig, they were all buckled up. And that's it. The very and last that's image. It. And that's it. I love like on almost you almost expected like the song just ended and I was like, really? Because I think ninety nine percent of other songs, period, but especially a country song, would have added like another verse that was like, Craig got cancer the next day and died, or like some yes. they would like pull your nostril hair to make sure that you were touched and crying. Or there would be, like, it would be the big verse, like the moral, right? It would be like, and yes. now I know that you got to love your fellow man <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Like, or just some Tim McGraw, like, and you know why? Cause Jesus. Yes. It's like, okay. Like we, 
we get it. But there's this, there's some little like throwaway lines that he has earlier in the song about like Craig saying someone did this for me once. And that Craig, when they first meet, like they're at church, um, the singer has his, my, I don't want to be here face on and smells a little like beer. And Craig didn't judge him and didn't say anything. And this is like a flashback to, you know, an earlier, you know, lower place. Right. For Walker Hayes. And that Craig is, you know, Craig is in his, you know, sponsor mode or not even yet, but is just like, you know, this, this was me, someone who did this for me once and which which this he means is not entirely clear and that's lovely and then it's just like this mitzvah happened everybody lived happily ever after or not but this story has a happy ending we're stopping yes think it was jesus or don't your choice and also think about how much again we learn from the from the 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 image of when the cops pulled by us this time i didn't have to make my kids duck because there were enough seat belts in the car Mm-hmm. Like that tells you so much about what was going on. And he just leaves you with that simultaneous punch of grasping how dire his situation was and the moment that he's escaping out of it. And then he's just, and it's peace out. And I just think that the, the, the balls of that it takes for a songwriter to do that are really impressive. And I also like what the song does. And you've touched on this already about, it's take on faith. It's such a light fingered touch with regard to religion. And you just almost never get that in a country song. Yeah. And And it's like, I ain't figured out church yet, but Craig, I get like, well, then in this case you have figured out church. This is like the ultimate sort of illustration of faith in action. It's like, you know, save your testimony for the tax man kind of thing. Right. Like, okay, you know, that what puts a lot of people off about church and about like capital F, you know, faith in the world is the the not Craig's who are full of, you know, full of judgment that is not theirs to apply. Yes. And they don't actually do anything or hear you or see you. And, and then yeah. Craig is not, is not that. Craig, rather than rather than preaching at Walker Hayes about how he needs to turn his life around, just helps. He just reaches out a hand and helps the guy. And then Walker Hayes, rather than preaching at us about what he learned or what we're supposed to learn, just tells the story. It's just humble about it and lets us do with it what we will. And I find that humility and humble bearing incredibly powerful. And if all church were like this... I would go to church. Same. Um, I would also like to go to their church, and here's why. It, while I was listening to the song, I was picturing Craig Robinson of The Office. <laughs> and, like, oh. all of a sudden, this is, like, an extremely compelling story where I would like to see, like, a web series just about Craig giving stuff to people <laughs> yes. and then being like, all right, well, that's our episode. Take Good. care. Drive safe. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that show too. Well, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed thinking about the songwriting prowess of Walker Hayes. Sarah, I am so glad you were up to talk about these songs. I honestly, like I tweeted over the holidays, have been 
eager, eager, eager to talk about these songs with you. And I'm so grateful to have this platform where we can dig into all of these things because I just think he's an artist who merits it. And I feel like in talking to you about all this, I've learned things even more about the songs, about myself, about you. It's just, this to me is such a wonderful example of why talking about interesting works of art is worthwhile. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I could not have enjoyed this more. Uh, same. Um, thank you for, not that I really need reminders on a daily basis because my husband is uh, rad and my favorite thing, but I would like to thank Dan for allowing me to share my feelings about his journey and my admiration and gratitude for him and for all y'all in the rooms. Keep going back, as they say. And speaking of going back, uh, I swear I didn't plan that segue, which is going to sound pretty glib. But if you're newish to the podcast, you might want to go back and check out our episode from last year on Jason Isbell, who is also a country artist, also grapples with some of the same issues, but very different, well, not super different, but fairly different take on on things. And uh, yeah, as always, hit us on social media with your ideas, comparing and contrasting, and anything else that passes through your mind. Holly came from Miami, FLA. This is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Here's how. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. And you can become a supporter and producer of this podcast at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus. So until next time, thanks for listening. But she never lost her head, even when she was given head. She says, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. And the colored girls go do 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 listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube